Okay. Hello and welcome everyone to Her Money Club Stories. My name is Rachel Minnie. I am here with an amazing human that I'm excited to share, share to all of you. Uh, this season, we're going to be focusing on the truth behind working a corporate job and transitioning into monetizing your skills. We'll be hearing from a ton of different coaches, freelancers, consultants, and how they made the decision to go all in on what they love to do and get paid for it. Follow along as our journey discovers how their mindset shifts, how their habits and strategies shift, and we all learn how to monetize our magnificence. Today with us, I have Tiffany. Thank you so much for joining us. I would love for you to share with the audience a little bit about your backstory and I like the beginning and end parts, right? Like the job part and then how you transitioned. Absolutely. So the job and the transition. So I'm Tiffany Dido. Uh, I'm actually a professional um, certified coach with the ICF and a CPRW. So a certified professional resume writer. Where I am now with everything is that I started a practice called Sacred Time And it's born out of the idea that we have to prioritize ourselves, put ourselves on the calendar and actually hold that sacred, like set boundaries around it and not give that time up. And then it's about what we do with that time. So how I actually built out this business was more along the lines from, I wanted to do more and I couldn't get the permissions in place to do that on the corporate level. So I've been able to do that and experiment on my own with the business. And the secret to my success with it has been contracts and clients. And I know we're going to talk more about that. Yes. Love it. And I love that you brought up giving yourself the permission or rather receiving the permission, right? You couldn't get the permission that you wanted in a corporate lifestyle and that's, this is another part I want to talk about too, is the lifestyle transition, right? You decided that your value system changed and what you valued with your time was different. And so now you had to change your mindset, habits, and strategies around how that lifestyle gets to look. So let's start with where you left off, which is cl- the clients and consulting part. Talk to us about how I think again, with time management, I love we're talking about this because it's so important, how you managed your time when you were in that transitional phase, when maybe you were still doing some corporate job and then you're transitioning into more and more of what you love. What ended up happening was um, I got the idea to start a business initially while I was working a corporate job. So I had to like find time before and after. So really it was after. (laughs) And then I had to make sure there was enough of myself afterwards to actually put that effort into it. Um, The toughest transition was figuring out how I was going to spend my time once I was full-time contracting, especially if it was like in between clients um, and full-on assignments. So a lot of that is I'm a calendar nut. So everything's color coded. So many colors. Matter of fact, I wish you would add more. So there's that. I wish I had like my own version of colors. Like, can I, yeah. (laughs) Can I choose my colors? Yeah. I think we need to make that request right now here and now. Um, (laughs) My favorite tool with tracking all of that is also clockify.me. Um, so just some kind of app where I can like set it up, start, start it, stop it, 
and then look at where I am in my week and how I intended to spend my time. Is it all billable? Um, and also track the time when I'm doing other things like building towards billing out my time. Um, because losing track of that means you could spend all day thinking you're productive and not have anything to bill for at the end of it too. So um, I use all of those tools in order to stay on track with all of it. I love it. And I love that you, your self-talk is to identify billable hours. Like that's a really good way to reframe it in your mind, especially transitioning out of corporate life where it's like, you are just getting paid to kind of show up and do these tasks. Right. And it's like, now you get to define those tasks, but if you're not smart about how you're defining those, those tasks, (laughs) everyone will be busy because we are conditioned to be busy. Right. We are, we have learned you know, that that's what we're supposed to do. And so how that actually looks is so critical to making money, but also ensuring that the income and the tasks that you're doing are aligned. So um, I'm curious to know- If I could add one thing in there. Yeah. Business looks like busyness, just an I instead of a Y. So you got to be careful about that. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. I help a lot of people with money, but what we end up initially talking about is the time management function because that does have an impact on the money part of it. So the question I have for you, um, just to go a little bit deeper into kind of what kind of clients you typically work with and consult with, can you share a little bit more about that, that the work that you do with them and then who your typical client is? Absolutely. So I specialize in the tech space. So it's now run the range from entry-level job seekers to mid-career professionals or leaders trying to have a greater impact. Um, What I'm also doing is helping career coaches support these clients as well. Beautiful. Um, So a lot of individuals versus businesses. Is that accurate? Or are you working with some businesses too? More individuals, but the way that I would work with clients can be contracting with the business. And then I work with everybody on a one-to-one basis. I like to empower like the individual because while there's no I in team, there's no team without the I. So there's that. Okay. That's helpful because I know some people do go the um, business to business route where you are working with a business to help their people, obviously, or some people go the route of like, okay, I'm just going to go the individuals themselves. So I think that's an important distinction, especially for a lot of newbies that don't maybe know how to go into either direction or which direction to go in. Um, Yes. I typically work with individuals and, you know, the individuals are the ones paying me as well. Can you share a little bit about how you go into conversations with business owners or people who are running the business who are looking to support their people? And I want to specifically address some nuances around like the starting of those conversations and how you go about that. Cause I feel like a lot of people struggle with that. And then also how you kind of guide them into the solutions that you offer. Yeah, absolutely. So how it generally happens with me, and I think this is the benefit of 
trying and putting yourself out there um, with all the websites and the profiles and all those things um, is through referral and reaching out specifically on LinkedIn. Since I mentioned I specialize in the tech space, everybody's living on LinkedIn. So um, people will reach out to me and I'll set up a conversation just to figure out what their needs are. It's important to ask the questions that could set you up for success, like writing out a proposal and having something already thought through that you could make a template um, with so that you can take whatever happens in that conversation and summarize it um, and then hand that back to them as like, this is what you said that you wanted. And um, some examples around that includes like how often we should meet and who will I be talking to? Um, I like to ask, will there be buy-in since we're talking coaching? Um, if they're if the person I'll be coaching it doesn't have buy-in, they're less likely to do the work, the homework, or sign up. So all of that factors in. I write all of that down. And then I hand it back to them um, in like a presentation form so that they have it as a point of reference. I love it. And that's also what, in my opinion, is like the beginnings of a good contract too, right? The deliverables yes. and really assessing like, okay, can I deliver what it is that one, they think that they want, what they actually want, and then what we've agreed upon that is actually going to happen. Yes. <laughs> Nuances in between. So you can update it. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to transition into strategies uh, around creating income um, because this is another one that I really enjoy talking about and how we have an abundance of opportunities to create multiple streams of income. The question is, you know, how does that evolve over time? So I know you've been doing yes. some of these different avenues. So what are some of your strategies you have used to create income? I look for opportunities. I'm so full of ideas. I do have to create a, like a filter for myself. Like, does this make sense with my target audience? Do I have time for this? Is this my idea or for somebody else? So I have to ask myself these questions. Um, some of it's driven by the work that I've done um, either on contracts or in corporate. So for a good chunk of time, I did my business as a side hustle. So when I got into tech boot camps, that inspired me to get more into resume writing, for example. So one service that I now offer that I didn't initially um, would be resume writing where I could get into coaching them on interview prep and, and all of that other factor. So uh, I use inspiration from what's around me, what I've been working on to sort of drive the different ideas and also create um, products or courses or anything of that nature that seems to fit the clients that I'm working with at the time. Yeah. And I want to point out exactly what you started with, which is the criteria list. Like in order to have a strategy for income, you need to have a filter of criteria. And even the three questions you ask yourself are exactly what you should be asking yourself. And like going deeper into, I think the biggest one that I notice is a lot of people are creating things that they would want and they like themselves, but maybe yes. don't necessarily fit a solution that someone else thinks that they need or wants, or it's not positioned in that manner. Right. And 
guilty. I've done this because I like creating things, (laughs) (laughs) but I do then have to go through these filters of like, okay, is this actually what my audience is asking for? And I just, this is very recent for me because I just re-revised a lot of things and I came up with this word cloud of like all the things that people say that they're challenged with in my community. And it literally makes a sentence of, I feel like my life's biggest concern is that there's not enough money. And it's like, those were their words. And I was like, hmm, yes. that's not how I would think of it, but like, that's how they are describing it. So I'm yes. like, okay, I need to rephrase how I'm saying things because yes, I'm like talking way out here in la la possibility land. And they are still really trying to figure out how to get into more possibilities. So it just is a yes. like, this is a constant iteration game of like, we get to really, um, identify what the people in front of us need and find the best solutions for them with what they need to get to the next step. And that makes it really easy to have more income when you do that. So I love And they can find you too. Yes. (laughs) Use their words. They can find you better that way. (laughs) Yes. I love it. Love it. Um, What kind of habits personally do you feel like support you most with creating, there's really two facets to this, creating the environment that you want to work in based on these kind of new requirements around sacred time. And then the second part of that is what habits support you with creating the most ease with money? So the habits that help me to create sacred time and then the habits around creating ease with money. That's on here. Um, I'll start with the ease with money. The best habit is to not feel like you need it. <laughs> so, so it turns out um, that's why I do contracts and clients so that I'm not feeling the pressure to pressure anybody into um, signing up with me. Um, my logo is a deer on purpose. I want to lure them gently into this new adventure. I want them to just follow me and not me having to go chase them. So they're, that piece of the ease of the money. Um, the way that I think about it for myself is I like to put in place things that I can have control over. So I mentioned that I use clockify.me If I look at how I'm spending my time, it will tell me with the billable hours, you're making this much already this week. So get it in gear if you're behind. (laughs) So I can hold myself accountable and be like, huh, I feel really productive. And I can look at the numbers and see if that was in fact the case. Right, right. (laughs) I love it. And the habit of managing your time, I think is obviously a lifelong skill to support And it really goes back to our core desires of like, you know, what do we want our life to look like? What are our value system and how is our time really aligning with making sure that that happens? Because I know for myself, when I was in corporate and, you know, had a lot of people even around me who didn't operate from that mindset would 
try to even tear me, I wouldn't say tear me down, but like, they're not doing it. So like, they don't get it. Right. And so I have some yeah. for that and setting boundaries so that you're very clear around like, no, this is how I get to operate regardless of what anyone else is doing around me is so crucial to that habits. Um, those habits yes. productive for you. Yes, I got a good example around that. How I really got started, um, I started in TV news. So I'm a little bit of a career changer so I can relate to all that with everybody. Um, I would put together marketing pieces for my job search and then people would make fun of me and be like, nobody does it like that. And then they would copy me. And I'm like, I see what you're doing, not what you said. And so... Also taking that with clients and working with money, right? You're just saying like how people actually use it versus how they say that they use it. And then you're on to something. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So same thing with budgeting. My, my least favorite thing to do with clients is budget simply because they're going to sit here and feed me lip service around how they think they spend their money. Then we're going to go into a tool yes. that I use to help them show them how they actually spend their money. It's like, I'm just want to skip the beginning part because let's not lie to each other. It's fine. <laughs> yes. Let's but that awareness can be so important yes. so when they see it, they're like, oops. Yeah. So. Yeah. The transition. Um, but then also reminding them like, it's okay. Like it's okay that you spend your money this way. It's okay. However you want to spend your time, but are you aware that that's happening? And is that, yes. in, is that your intention? Is that you, how you intended? And if not, well, there's, there's where the work is. Yes. I think that word intention is so important because I'm hearing it so much right now, especially since what the great resignation and the great whatever's happening now. Uh, everybody says, I want to be more intentional. So now's the chance to be more aware so you can do what you intend. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And at the core of that, from a mindset perspective, I'm curious to know what challenges you faced with either mindset or what I like to call an identity shift when you transition out of corporate life into working for yourself? Such a good question. I'm still such a planner. Like I have to know where I could go to if I feel like I have no safety net. So I have to make one. Mm -hmm. um, and when I, in preparation for this, I actually thought about the first time, the first shift I had, and it was jumping full on into a contract. And in order to do that, I had to build up a savings and I refinanced my house and created a safety net of money, um, which ended up working out well because they didn't pay me for like the first six months. I don't know what I was thinking, but, but I had that safety net. So I wasn't as worried as I would have been if I would have just jumped and been like, it'll work out. Let's see what happens. So the planner in me kind of saved my butt in that regard. Yeah, so. I I think that's good. I've done it both ways where I've left a job with like, meh, no plan. And I've done it where, <laughs> you know, had a plan. I think there's some version of combination of both. And hear me yes. out, if I know you're a planner, but I feel like <laughs> some people who are the planner type, they never take the leap. They never take the risk because they're so planning oriented. So my question for you is what did trigger you to take that leap and, and take the risk? 
Mm, it's really the stages of change, right? Um, I Somebody knowing that I love nature metaphors sent me a video on how lobsters change. Mm -hmm. And it turns out when they grow, they get to a point where they're so uncomfortable in the shell, they shed it and grow a new one. So I feel like that's a little bit like how I would grow. You get so uncomfortable at a certain stage. Like I can't stay here. I cannot stay here for 20 years and retire. Not going to happen. So have to shed that, that shell. Um, and so I was, I couldn't stay where I was for 20 years. So mm -hmm. I let go of that shell and they made it easier to jump into the next part. And then the planner in me like had to make sure it would work. Yeah. So a yeah. little bit of both. Yep, exactly. And that's exactly what I was looking for because I I've noticed the same in myself. Like, and I think I am addicted to change a little bit. Like I love it. I mean, I'm traveling the world. I literally change <laughs> every two, three months. Right. And yes. I also noticed this, there was a leadership meeting that I was in at the fortune 500 company I worked at, and there were 250 leaders in the room. And I distinctly remember this moment because that's when I realized like, mm, yeah, I'm not in the right place here <laughs> out of 250 <laughs> people in the room. Two of us raised our hand when one of the facilitators asked on a scale of one to 10, how much do you like change? And he had, he went through this process of, you know, you like it at a level one, a level five, a level eight, a level 10, like who's 10 out of 10 loves change. And two of us are like, yeah, <laughs> like, <"Okay." laughs> that's when I realized, oh, this is why it's so hard here. This is why I'm the one feeling like I'm pulling teeth to change everyone else and innovate and do all these things. And I'm like, okay, I'm not in the right place. This, this is very clear <laughs> now that I've realized this. So in knowing that change is required, <clears throat> what do you think was the hardest thing to change just in general, in your life, in money and whatever in the transition to becoming an entrepreneur, becoming your own manager of your life? Oh my gosh. The hardest thing to think about, the hardest thing to change was the mindset in a sense that this last major shift I did was going from side hustle. So full-time corporate, and then that, you know, side hustle, building the business, I had everything in place, but it was like pulling the trigger so that I went into a contract. I didn't see how it would go. I didn't know how it was going to work. So I couldn't just jump into it. Yeah. Um, and I I think I couldn't just jump into it. What ended up happening is enough circumstances happened and I put enough things in place. Like I had a CRM. Um, I had like a workflow. I had a pipeline. Uh, and then it was finally like, I guess I'm jumping. Um, <laughs> no other so here we go. <laughs> But it, it was not being able to see like a contract could sustain you, what that might look like. Um, and now it was, now it's the idea that I could do a few contracts with different businesses to kind of create enough of a nest where something's going to happen uh, and sustain me. So if one dries up, <laughs> which happened last year, I've got the other ones to lean on and then vice versa. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And that's where kind of having those multiple streams of income, even if it is you're doing the same thing, but you have multiple clients you're doing it with and whole different avenues that you can source income from, I think is super helpful and supportive to kind of the security that I feel like a lot of women want with money. Um, and like, and for the change people and for those who love change, I get enough variety in my day where I'm like, if I'm bored with one thing, oh no, we got this different contract. So if you get a blend of the types of work that the contracts bring in, you can create enough variety that keeps you interested. Yeah. So. You just had me realize something because I just um, shifted my business model to be more passive because of all the change I'm experiencing in my environment. Mm. So it's like, there's a threshold to how much change (laughs) even someone like me is interested in having. And so it's just fascinating how we, you know, shift our strategies, our habits. But to your point, the last thing that I think shifts is the mindset. And I think it's because it has the most roots, right? It just has the most ingrainment in us. Um, Yes. Calling it roots means like the outcomes is probably the top of the tree. So the trunk would be the behaviors we do to get there. So Mm -hmm. everything underneath the ground that's required. So it stands Mm -hmm. would be what we have to change. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, Okay. I'm curious to know if you would give someone some advice, they're, they're wanting to transition They're you know, they've done all the planning they're ready to kind of exit their corporate job. What advice would you give them to, um, take the leap? And I think give them like some foresight into their next year or two. Yeah. What advice would I give them? I would probably help them to identify what they would be leaping to, because if you're just leaping away from something, (laughs) then you're always looking back. But if you're leaping to something and you define why, then you're more eager to like grab onto it and hold on to it. Um, So I would define that. I would define what that looks like. Um, And then the advice would be um, if you're like me and a little bit of a planner and you're worried about security, what could you build underneath that could um, give you that peace of mind so that you can operate from there? Because it's a whole other mindset when you know mortgages do and you don't know where it's coming from and you're trying to trying to like close a client then if you're like, oh, I got all this stuff happening, passive income, contracts, regular hours, and all that stuff, and then you're talking to somebody. Mm-hmm. So building that for yourself is going to be important. Whole different mindset. I agree. I wish I would have done that sooner. And I've been on the roller coaster ride, right? And it is more recently that it's like, I have all of this stuff that I could be creating passive income from. So let's like that, that this year is my year for that. Right. Where it's like, okay, (laughs) we get to get off some roller coaster rides here. This has been fun and all, but (laughs) let's start creating passive income from all of these different amazing, like juicy nuggets that are available. Um, I'm curious to know, cause you mentioned courses and digital products. 
how do you utilize courses and digital products in your model? Excellent question. I feel like it just now started to click and make sense for me too. So always evolving. <laughs> um, the way that it's working out is I find myself saying the same things over and over to different people. And I'm like, I should write this down. So, so I wrote it down um, and I'm making YouTube videos and I'm making like the courses so that when, when certain things come up with different clients, I can send them to a particular course and say, okay, this is the one that you want to work on. And it's just like, it's like micro lessons. It's not going to take you all day, but it's going to feed the need that you have right now because we only want what's valuable right now. Um, and then they could come back into a coaching session. So that's how I'm using the courses. The other like digital products would include like the videos for YouTube. Um, so something free and accessible and, and easy to search. I am also working on um, what I would call career cards. So in the moment between sessions with anybody, you could like shuffle them um, and ask yourself a question. But without that premeditation, like you have to, you have to um, shuffle and, and ask. So mm -hmm. some of those engagement pieces right there. Yeah, that's fabulous. I think that's fabulous for two reasons too, because one, it's questions you could be asking to someone else, but you could also, yes. in, you know, just in, engaging, engaging in conversation, but then also having the answers for them and kind of pre- curating like okay how do I want to be perceived and respond to these types of questions there's also really important. yes so I love it all right um we'll wrap it up with some of these last few questions um I want to share with everyone how they can find you and if you have like a website or how they can best connect with you yes my website is sacredtime.careers. I am always reinventing myself. So that's the site to go to, to find out if you're ready for coaching and also what the key offerings are right now. Beautiful, beautiful. And this will go to our audience in about a month or so. What are some of the things that you have been offering and really excited to offer? Oh my gosh. I'm really excited for my Waymaker Mastermind. I am finding that, um, especially women mid-career, we're always making a way for others. And now we're feeling like it's time to make a way for ourselves. So getting everybody together where we can share ideas and build towards a more intentional future is kind of where I'm going. And so I met some amazing people who are, who are already gathering to do this work. I love it. And I love that you're creating community around it. And that's a big deal in my mind too, for women is the more we can create community and awareness and even the vulnerability to begin sharing some of these scarier pieces of conversation, the more comfortable we get with the uncomfortableness of it. So I love that you're yes. space for it. So thank you. And we're not alone exactly we sometimes think we are but it's not true there's always melt yes. out there to lean on to hold space and to support that part of your journey so talk to people yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, beautiful any last words or any other thoughts you want to wrap up with yes 
Well, I want to reiterate that you are not alone. So even if you don't feel like you have something to share, feel free to reach out. Um, Like I mentioned, I'm on sacredtime.careers. So um, come find me and and let me know what your story is. Um, um, I love the fact that your podcast is Hermione, uh, Hermione, because it makes me think of Hermione from Harry (laughs) Potter. I don't know if that was intentional but that no, just but I love Harry Potter, so that works. <laughs> See, community matters because then we get to share these ideas. <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, thank you so much, Tiffany. I've enjoyed this conversation. I appreciate your time today. And we'll look to more coming from you soon. So thank you. Thank you.